on Christmas, a vampire starts shooting at him, and in doing so, somehow knows a lot about angels. Somebody write this. And I'm Jenny, and to help us with our brainstorming today, we have a guest. Welcome, Nat Chan. Hello, I'm a Nat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're so glad that you could be here with us. As we were talking before the podcast about what we might want to talk about uh, in our interview up front, you mentioned the connection between storytelling and specifically science education, which is something that I know you have some experience with. So I'd love for you to to tell us a little bit of your thoughts on that, on stuff that you've seen, stuff that's been effective, stuff you've used yourself. Uh, yes. So for background, I'm currently still a university student. I'm doing my degree in uh, geochemistry with a minor in archaeology. Uh, so I have a lot of breadth when it comes to different topics, and I wouldn't have it any other way. But I do a lot of uh, volunteering with various activities on campus, getting younger generations interested in various sciences. So cool. Yeah, we were talking, we were talking about how yeah, especially archaeology in particular is the that's that is the story. That's the story of our past, and so bringing that today and getting what have been some ways that you've seen people use uh, storytelling or narrative or other art forms to bring science and make it make it uh, really appealing and get these younger generations interested. Uh, yeah, so a lot of that comes down to trying to sell a narrative for. Uh, things like objects. So a lot of the research stuff that I do involves looking at various rocks and finding ways to tell stories about the rocks. So uh, most of my writing prowess has been used these days to write interesting stories about rocks, which is not my favorite (laughs) topic to write about, but at the same time kind of is. So a lot of science involves exploring various aspects of the physical world and Mm -hmm the journey that objects go through uh, leave marks on them. So for example, uh, if I'm on a dig and you find a roof tile from somebody's house, that in and of itself has a lot of information buried in it because Mm -hmm. it has to have gone through a number of processes to get to us. The tile had to have been made at some point. The material has to be sourced from somewhere. Somebody must have transported that material They must have put it on a house and something must have happened to the house for a tile to fall off and then get buried underground. A lot of archaeology is about trying to find the information hidden within an object. So if you if you look at the bits and pieces we have, you can put together little bits. So the stuff that I specialize in rocks uh, lets you tell where you have sourced various rocks from. So again, uh, Let's say that this house tile was found in a Roman villa. The tile is composed of certain clays. And if you look at the specific chemistry of what that clay is made out of, that can tell you which uh, rock groups it's likely from, because depending on where the rock was formed, there will be little trace differences in uh, chemical composition. It -hmm. doesn't affect the larger aspects of the rock, so it'll it'll still be the same type of rock but it will have little trace differences that lets you identify exactly where it might have come from. 
that lets you figure out things like trade routes. So it means that the person who had access to this house had some sort of connection to this rock quarry over, you know, sometimes it can be like two entire countries over that this rock has been Mm. shipped from. And then somebody has to have taken that rock and crushed it up and turned it into a tile or a brick. And usually people will make physical marks on things. So like a maker's mark. And that that's another piece of information to the story of this tile. The rock was harvested in one place, crushed up by somebody, sent to a different place. Somebody transformed it into an object that somebody used and then sent it to a different destination for it to be used. And then... There's that last piece where the context around it, so for example, again, saying it's some sort of Roman villa, we know that, say, if we find it packed by volcanic ash, we can tell that what actually happened to the final fate of the house if it was suddenly Mm -hmm. buried by volcanic rocks. And all that kind of serves to to tell an interesting story of how people lived long ago. I don't know if any of you have seen the series uh, Walking with Dinosaurs um, Mm -hmm. or other sort of nature documentaries, but I find the most compelling stories in nature documentaries, ones where you can kind of follow individuals and see what it might be like to grow up as a young snake and the hardships that you might face, because that's something that humans connect to. It It takes something very abstract, like ecosystems and food webs and and how different animals live their lives. And it puts it in terms that humans have an easier time grasping, which also gives us a greater connection to said environments. Oh, sure. And it makes you like, the story makes you want to know more as opposed to just like listing a bunch of chemicals or. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I keep joking that, I'm not the best at writing the uh, report aspect, the paper aspect, uh, because I like playing with lasers and stuff. But (laughs) the reason people care about the stuff that I blast with lasers is because you can tell is by trying to find evidence for the story of this individual object. I know a lot of people give academic papers flack for being pretty dry, and I cannot agree with them more. (laughs) Um, I think that a lot of papers would be a lot more readable if people just learned how to write some very basic prose. Yes, you can put the technical stuff in there, but like have at least part of it accessible for the layperson. Yeah, having context for those numbers is vitally important in terms of actually engaging your audience. Well, that's so, what I always say about his. Like, I love history as a subject, but I hated history class because they're always just throwing lists of dates at me. It, it took me years before I realized that Victorian England, like Sherlock Holmes time, was the same as Old West time in the Americas. Yep. I had no clue they were concurrent mm-hmm. because they didn't teach history that way. But when you get into stuff like that, you can see all these interesting. You can see all these interesting things. 
thank you so much for sharing this. This is so fascinating to me and Jenny. I know we we really could talk about this all day long. I'm, you know, about how to how to connect this to to people, but we are uh, on a time limit, so we are going to move ahead to our actual brainstorming. But thank you so much for sharing that uh, and that unique perspective with us. We haven't really talked about that on the show yet um, about the connection between the arts and sciences. So that's really cool. So as a reminder, our plot today is on Christmas. A vampire starts shooting at him, and in doing so, somehow knows a lot about angels. <laughs> so I, I so, so many, many questions. questions. <laughs> let, let me throw out a few basic ones just to get us started. The first question, who is the vampire and who are they shooting at? This is important. And then the, the second question is, who is knowing about angels? And thirdly, why does shooting this person teach them about angels okay because i'm actually thinking i'm thinking about the ambiguity of the word shooting like is the vampire taking pictures is the vampire shooting a gun is the vampire oh or is the vampire shooting hoops yes (laughs) basketball (laughs) christmas uh because well because it's true because it does say starts shooting at him which implies that the shooting at takes place over a, an extended period of time. Yes. Or or that it's interrupted. That it begins and then somehow knowledge about angels happens and that stops it. <laughs> so maybe that's like, maybe that's the whole point then because maybe, maybe it's like an entire thing like with supernatural characters and they're all just playing basketball. So the vampire starts <laughs> shooting at him presumably maybe him as like uh maybe it's sort of like an interview with a vampire kind of thing where this one person is allowed like an insight into the secret world of angels and vampires and the only way that he could get the scoop was if he agreed to play in the christmas basketball tournament because team vampire vampire, uh no wait no the vampire's doing the shooting so maybe it's because team angel uh, is actually down a member, and they're like, uh, <laughs> Team Vampire and Teen Angel. Yeah, exactly. I In fact, it. it could be a sequel to it could be a sequel to it. Space yeah. Jam if we want to do that. We're so throwing it out there. <laughs> this may or may not be canon with Space Jam. So is the oh, is man. the knowledge of the angels like is that is that a a uh, a tactic to help one of the teams win? Are they hoping that like by giving this person this this layperson knowledge of angels? Or is this, or is this just a natural offshoot? Like, there's something about playing basketball with vampires and angels that gives you insight into. But the thing that's tickling to my brain the is the in doing so somehow knows a lot about angels. Not that he learns a lot, but what if he realizes that he already knows a lot, but he didn't know that it applied to angels? Both. Or maybe, maybe there are memories. Maybe he used to be an angel and has lost that. And um, maybe the vampire doesn't know he used to be an angel, but something in, maybe the vampires are having their own Christmas basketball tournament and it starts jogging memories about his past angel life. Like, and him trying to figure out, like, was he kicked 
out? Like, did he leave his own free will? Did something happen? And so he, like, joins forces with the vampires, maybe, to, like, solve his mystery and kind of trying to figure out, is he, like, on the vampire side, sort of the fallen creatures or on the angel side? I, I don't know. Like, there could be, I don't know. I, I feel like he's in the middle. I feel like because he didn't remember that he was a fallen angel. Right. And so you could have this thing where like this, this almost not only like an identity crisis, like who am I, but also like an ethical identity crisis. Like I am I in his mind, one of the good guys or one of the bad guys. And And what does that even mean? Because they're obviously getting together to shoot hoops. (gasps) Oh, (laughs) oh, and it's on Christmas. So maybe this person. Yeah. I like that idea that this person has some sort of like draw towards the supernatural and on Christmas, which is, you know, a very spiritual time for a lot of people, again, he's beginning to feel this pull towards this. And again, this basketball game is his one shot at learning at learning about his true identity as an angel. Mm. So does he does he have some of this knowledge before he goes into play basketball? Or does this a- like maybe he's already been investigating angels and vampires and then finds out the basketball yeah, game? Yeah, I like that idea. Like maybe that my initial thought was, yeah, that he's been looking into this. And so he he meets this vampire and the vampire invites him to play basketball on Christmas. And that like jogs memories and that he did not realize he had. And all of a sudden he's just he has all this past opening up to him and he has to figure out what to do with that. Like maybe he gets, you know, knocked in the noggin by a basketball and then it's like, oh, flash memory. Yeah, or maybe there's maybe there's in a sense almost like a in like hypnosis where it's like the word that uh, that brings people out or sends people in. Like maybe a a trigger, but it could be like a specific supernatural connected word. It could be something that like the the vampire uses. Maybe they use it as a curse and it means something to the angels or something. (laughs) Um, But it but it but it's not something that like the angels put use that because or whoever put this on him. and crowded and uh, closed down his memory used that because they thought it wouldn't be something he would encounter just walking around in everyday life. <laughs> and then the vampires use it right. because they have this supernatural knowledge and all of a sudden hmm. he has all these memories but doesn't know what they mean or what yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, so did the vampires know that he used, our main character used to be an angel? What if they invited him on his terms so that he knew, but because him figuring out who he was would be bad for the angels sometimes because he fell for a reason. Yeah, he's not an angel anymore for a reason. And it does say somehow. So, yeah. So I I, I don't know. I like the idea that it might be... I like the idea that both sides are kind of in over their heads. Like, maybe the vampires were also investigating Mm -hmm. him while he was... uh, While he was just like... uh, Maybe it's one of those cases where the vampires were thinking about turning him because there's something Ooh. special about him. And so they want to learn a little bit more. So they like, invite like, him like to, maybe this basketball, it, to this basketball game. Is it even possible to turn a fallen angel and what kind of vampire would that be? Like maybe they have a myth about exactly. it. Exactly. And so maybe they maybe they don't know what they're getting into just as our protagonist doesn't. Kind of a really interesting uh, friendship dynamic between maybe like the the maybe like the vampire who first reached out to him who realizes that there's something more about this guy and him and you can have this really interesting dynamic where they're both kind of not sure where he's going to fall <laughs> like we're not sure where he's going to which camp he's going to end up this being is part really of. fascinating um uh, r- <laughs> right 
I am going to pause real quick. Oh, okay. We have a title. Our title is is uh for for once it is beautifully connected to uh to at least Ooh. to the direction oh. we've gone. But our title is His Sports. Is in the sports that belong Ooh. to him. Ooh. So and it's still generic because it's still <laughs> it's still a, a mysterious hymn. That makes the basketball more significant, <laughs> clearly, um, and rather than just a sideways yes. medium. Okay, so maybe maybe this guy, our main character, is like a, a graduate student, and their dissertation is studying the effects of human culture on supernatural beings. Because here there are angels and vampires playing basketball. Yes. Yeah. So again, bringing sort of my student ideas into this, where did he get the funding from? Obviously, he's a sports athlete, which is why the vampires want him. He probably trained under Charles Barkley or something like that. <laughs> so they don't, they, maybe they do not know that he has a supernatural thing until he gets all these yeah. back. They just want him because he's good at basketball. And so, so they recruit him for their basketball game. They don't tell him necessarily right away that they're vampires. <laughs> They just invite him to their Christmas tournament, and then he, all of a sudden he gets all these memories. They realize, oh my gosh, something crazy is happening. Maybe most of them are like, we can't do, have anything to do with this, and they run. The one main vampire who invited him is like, I'm going to follow along with him and see if we can figure out what's up, because, oh my gosh, if we could make him a vampire, and he, as a former angel, we would definitely <laughs> win all our championships, or what, or maybe higher stakes as well. <laughs> but First, I feel like he and the vampire already knew each other because otherwise, like, maybe they play basketball together, like, in the same neighborhood, right? Like, they're just friendly neighborhood games, and that's how they right. got to be friends and why he knows he's so good. So yeah. what what stakes are the angels and vampires playing for? Like, is this is this just a casual supernatural intramurals? Or is it for some to decide what happens over the next year, like who gets a territory or something. Like maybe it was mm. casual to begin with. And then he becomes the stakes. Ooh. Ooh. It's like a team transfer and also <laughs> a mystery. Yeah. And he's have to like, keep yeah. Teams. So yeah, maybe they say, okay, you go play. With the now. Okay. Now you play with the vampires. Yeah. I think our <laughs> final climactic scene has to be a basketball game where he's playing for both teams and whichever team, like he just alternates. <laughs> like he's on both teams and he has to decide while he's playing, which yeah. team wins. Whoa. Yeah, I, I I I like this idea. There's a lot of potential here. That would be imagine imagine the cinematics, the basketball game going, yeah. and then it keeps oh, like gosh. time freezing while this guy has a flashback or a talking to himself or yeah. So I think yeah, I think we have two Christmas basketball games. One that opens it, that opens his mm -hmm. all his his knowledge, and then one that closes it out, and that's the one that helps decide his fate. And you can play with this idea of like. Of creatures that are destined to be good or destined to be evil and have him like and, and, and play with the idea that maybe um, whichever one wins is the one that he has to be part of. And maybe he you, you could play within the idea of whether he has the ability to choose for himself and to make his own decisions and not have to go with just whatever, <laughs> wherever the yep. basketball falls is, <laughs> is what is what determines his inner goodness or badness or or his inner ethics. I don't know. Like there's some really really interesting stuff you can do with that or, or, or what that even oh, means and this is just yeah. a personal favor to me you don't have to include this in the writing itself but i at least want to see an appendices of how supernatural powers affect the rules of basketball like is it traveling like is it traveling if an angel uses their wings <laughs> yes. like this is important information 
And I think it would very much affect things like dunking right. mechanics. Right. Like no flying allowed, no super speed, no hypnotizing. Yeah, no hypnotizing, no trances. <laughs> to, uh... It doesn't, you don't necessarily have to include it in the body itself, but I personally would love an appendices. No blood yeah. doping. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you can't eat the other, you can't eat your opponent. That's no. cheating. No, no, yeah, yeah. no miracles allowed. Or maybe like you can't, or maybe like it depends on like who's playing whom. Like if, mm-hmm. uh, like vampires are allowed to use super speed, but angels can fly, but only for like a certain amount. Or maybe if there are werewolves in the mix, they can they can't play during the full moon because then they get a huge <laughs> advantage. The the world built here would be would be fascinating. Oh. And like a, and like I said, the the implications of human culture on supernatural beings is. Um, you know, like they have in a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. How they have the vampires all chill on Halloween because they're like, you know, whatever, this is our day off. Yeah. You know, and they just kind of like go with the Halloween fun. We don't have to we don't have to worry about wearing masks or anything because we already kind of look weird. There is so much to go with, and I think we are going to pass that off to our listeners because I would love to hear right? something from this. <laughs> this is this went such a, a different direction than I initially expected it, and I'm so happy for it. Um before we close out today, uh, we will go ahead and we'll take a second and each shout out a story we think our listeners should check out. Mine, I realized in the last two minutes what I had to share, uh, and it's a podcast called Supernatural Sexuality with Dr. Seabrook, and it is a it is delightful. It is a uh, a pretend uh, call in relationship advice show where all the questions involve supernatural creatures. So like the first, so I just started listening to it. And the first episode was like somebody who um, is a, is recently a ghost uh, and is still with the person that they were with before they died. And they're trying to figure out, they're trying to get over the hurdles of uh, a physical connection in that relationship when she's mostly non-corporeal. Um, yeah, and there's there's one about somebody who's a vampire reconnecting with somebody they were with when they were younger, but now but they still look the same. They look the same as they were when they first met, and so they're trying to. And the the advice and the the advice is actually all really solid advice. <laughs> like I was, I was like I was like this is actually just this is actually just good. This is you know it's a little little quirky Anderson. I'm sorry. I need to write this one down. What was that called again? Supernatural sexuality with Doctor Seabrook. Um, it's a relatively new one. I think it, it started about six months ago, but it's so delightful and it is right uh, right in the pocket of this particular episode. So I figured I had to incorporate it. I would consider that recommendation um, a slam dunk. <laughs> All right, Jenny, we'll toss it over to you. What are, what are uh, you going to share with us this week? Well, I'm going to recommend uh, something a little more well-known. So I like, I like cultural relevance. We had a discussion about this earlier in the week, me and Hannah. Um, but I'm going to recommend, if you haven't been watching it already, you need to watch Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. This show is so much fun. It's about this gal who works in uh, programming, and she wakes up one day to find out that she has the ability to hear people's inner thoughts in the form of songs. So she's walking down the street, and all of a sudden somebody's singing a song about being lonely, and they're all like uh, pop culture songs that you know you'd mostly recognize. And um, then all the trouble she gets into hearing people's secret thoughts, you know, the, the, the thoughts behind the words they're actually saying. And it's not only fun in that sense, you know, lots of dance numbers and whatnot, 
but it's also incredibly emotional and and poignant in places and it's just one of my favorite shows currently currently going on right now and i hope they do another season all right nat we're gonna toss it to you what would you like to share with our listeners okay so i've thought a lot about this and i'm glad that it we kind of stuck to sort of a supernatural theme because the uh the book i'd like to recommend uh and it is a book is uh called small gods by uh terry pratchett it's in the Discworld series if you're familiar with that, but you shouldn't have to worry about catching up on them because it's kind of a it's kind of a standalone book. It's not part of well, it's part of the series and the universe. It doesn't follow any one particular plotline. It's its own self-contained story, and it's uh, I haven't finished it yet, so no spoilers. But it's a book about a great and powerful god of a very large monotheistic religion. But the way deities work in Terry Pratchett's world is uh, gods get their powers from uh, true believers. The problem is the religion has spread well, but the actual teachings of the god and like what, while the religion of the god has spread far and wide, the actual spiritual concerns have not so much. So when he tries to, when he tries to take on an avatar, the only thing he can muster is a small uh, is a small turtle because the only there's only one true follower and people don't really pay much attention to him because they think he's not very smart and uh, but he's a very good listener and it's basically these adventures of this super powerful deity trapped in a tiny turtle body and his friend who wants to like be just like can we just be like nice to each other so, <laughs> that sounds yeah, so it's fun. A very, it is. Yeah, it's an interesting take on religion and spirituality without necessarily picking any one side, if that makes sense. Uh, like mm-hmm. it, yeah, it examines it's kind of exploring the yeah. That's a that's a that's my pick. Awesome. I I really need to read more Terry Pratchett. I have not read nearly enough for being as big of a of a of a genre fiction fiction fan as I am. Um, all right. So before we close out, uh, final thing, Nat, is there anything that you'd like to plug for yourself or uh, or for for a friend that you'd like to just get uh, some self promotion stuff out there? Yes. Um. So I do. I do have an Instagram, but it's mostly filled with pictures of cats. Um. And hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Maybe some pictures of rocks and fossils as well, if I can uh, clear that. Um. So if you want to follow me, uh, it's natcat44 on Instagram uh k-n-a-t k-a-t four four but uh in terms of my writing stuff um i'm currently not writing a whole lot because i'm mostly rock (laughs) i'm mostly writing about rocks but i do have a friend who is also actually um who in addition to collecting short stories uh is a freelance editor so if you're interested in maybe trying to get your trying to get your writing published um i would recommend you check out scribecat.ca my friend ash lachance runs that website uh her rates are very reasonable i use her for editing my academic papers uh quite often um because again academic papers tend to drag yeah (laughs) um and to so yeah so if you're looking for that and i also plug it because i hope to one day be able to write for one of her anthologies at some point so Hopefully I'll be featured there one day. But uh, even but even still, uh, I recommend you check out scribecat.ca. That's C-R-I-B-E-K-A-T or C-A-T? Uh, C-A-T. 
I only spell my name with okay, K's because awesome. I like K's. I just like that both things you recommend have cats yes. in them, <laughs> which is, which is just yes. <laughs> um, all right, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us and unpacking this real wacky story with us. I, I really appreciate it. That was Yeah, that was thanks awesome. for having me. It's super fun. Uh, that is our episode. As a reminder, you can find us every other Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at WriteThisPod. And if you've been inspired by this episode and have questions or comments or a story or anything else, email us at somebodywritethis at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. We'll see you then. And as they say, he who is sick will lie down. Thank you.